The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome. We have such a fascinating guest today. We're talking about... Well, we're talking about have we been here before? Have we seen other lives? Have we reincarnated? And we actually have some um, some very interesting testimony and evidence to that. My guest is Dr. Eben Alexander, and he's been an academic neurosurgeon for the last 25 years, including 15 at the Brigham and Women Hospital, Children's Hospital, and Harvard Medical School in Boston. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling books, Proof of Heaven, and The Map of Heaven. And his newest book is Living in a Mindful Universe, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness. Dr. Eben Alexander's brain was attacked by a devastating illness, and he lapsed into a week-long coma. After appearing to be, or while appearing to be at death's door, he was plunged into the deepest realms of consciousness, encountering profound truths about God and the soul. For the past eight years, Dr. Alexander has been trying to reconnect with the state of oneness that he felt during that near-death experience. And he has discovered a path. His new book, Living in a Mindful Universe, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness, he shows that the brain is not responsible for consciousness, and he uses this realization to really explore love and connection. And, And this book presents a groundbreaking new view of consciousness based on years of study and cutting-edge research and Dr. Alexander's extraordinary experiences. Welcome, Eben, Dr. Alexander. Well, Patricia, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. Well, let's. Um, I, I want to go back a little bit because I interviewed you when you did your when you had your first book, Proof of Heaven. So now it's eight years later. That book was a bestseller. Where have you come from there? Where has this led you? Beside the book, what led you up to that? Well, book? I, yeah, it's important to point out that uh, I had spent the, all of my life before that coma that happened in 2008, believing uh, you know the brain creates consciousness. I bought into the conventional. Of scientific model that the physical world is all that exists, and thus we must somehow explain consciousness as the physical workings of the brain. Uh, and what my coma journey showed me very clearly, because my my disease, E. coli bacterial meningitis, uh, was a perfect model of human death because of the way that that kind of meningoencephalitis attacks the human part of the brain, the outer surface, the part that modern neuroscience would say is responsible for all of our detailed conscious awareness uh, in our lives. And yet, as my neocortex was being destroyed, my awareness became far, far greater than anything I'd ever experienced before. 
And so it was a very clear example of how the brain is more like a prison. So we're conscious in spite of our brain. The brain is obviously related to consciousness, but the mistake is thinking that it, it creates consciousness out of purely physical matter. And we really have to go very deep to get to some answers. And that's where my journey has taken me. I've come to realize that, in fact, uh, my journey over the last nine years trying to make sense of my experience parallels an awakening coming to the scientific community that's been brewing for literally centuries. Uh, And this is an awakening that puts consciousness as fundamental. It's basically where quantum physicists tried to tell us the truth, you know, 80 years ago, and yet the physics community and materialist science has been very slow on the uptake, unable to understand what's going on. And yet when you put consciousness as fundamental and primary and realize it's all one consciousness, then things start to become more uh, explicable. And this is an amazing revolution going on even now that greatly empowers human beings uh, in terms of taking control of their lives, their health, uh, their completeness and well-being. Mm. And how does the scientific evidence come out? How do we know that? Have we measured the brain? Uh, how do we know? Well, I would say the, the interesting things, there are several observations in uh, kind of clinical neuroscience that are fairly common and are stunningly uh, powerful uh, evidence that the brain is not the creator of consciousness. One of these is called terminal lucidity, and this is something I explained mm-hmm. in Proof of Heaven. I gave an example of it, but uh, it's very uh, commonly described, uh, probably cur- occurs in at least 10% of Alzheimer's patients, if not more, uh, where as they become more and more uh, kind of simple-minded and demented through progression of the disease, especially as they approach death, they demonstrate some oasis of uh, clarity, reflection, communication mm-hmm. with those at the bedside, often at a time when they're uh, witnessing the souls of departed loved ones who are coming there to escort them over. Uh, And if you see one of these cases, it'll shock you into realizing the physical brain is not the creator of consciousness at all. And those who work Mm -hmm. in hospice and nurses who take care of the dying uh, see this kind of thing uh, often enough. Uh, Many of them report it to me, and of course I've seen my own examples. But terminal lucidity is a profound example. Also the acquired Mm -hmm. savant syndromes. Uh, where some kind of brain damage, whether it's head injury, stroke, autism, what have you, unmasks some superhuman mental capacity, like of memory, you mm. uh, memorize a phone book, you know, one page per second, uh, looking through 10,000 names and numbers and then have immediate recall of them, uh, mm. the ability to calculate pi to thousands of digits in one's head. These are all superhuman mental capacities that come out of brain damage itself. Uh, there are many other examples and living in a mindful universe, but the reality is the brain is not the producer of consciousness at all. It's a reducing valve or filter, and that uh, creates tremendous possibility in any mm-hmm. discussion of the afterlife, reincarnation, mm-hmm. uh, and of the much bigger facets of who right. we are. So, so it, from where I'm sitting, what I'm hearing is if the brain is not responsible for the consciousness, it's more the soul is. is would you agree with that? It's coming from the soul. Well, it's I would coming say from the, a higher the place. Soul a, the soul is a very real concept that has to do with our kind of sense of identity that can even stretch from life to life, even though there is a suppression and a programmed forgetting of memories between lives. This is why yes. when you want yes. to harvest past life memories in, in a child, you ask them generally between ages two and six where they were before this. And you often get 
fascinating answers. The Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia has investigated more than 2,700 cases over the last five decades of past life memories in children that are best explained by reincarnation. And so we really need to broaden uh, our view of consciousness and of what we're dealing with here uh, when you realize the brain's not the creator of consciousness at all, but we have a much bigger field of inquiry to explain that includes multiple lives, past life, regressions and memories, things like that. Mm. I want to ask you how this has changed your life and helped your life since this near-death experience? I mean, what, what was your life like before, and how is it very different now, your own personal life? Well, you know, I was very comfortable in my understanding of things before my coma. But I also, you know, as a neurosurgeon, I was dealing with kind of the daily problems of consciousness we encounter, which don't really get into the very deep issues of where consciousness comes from in the first place. And so my uh, adventure in bacterial meningitis in a seven-day coma with a complete deletion of every memory I'd ever had before that had to be recovered over about eight weeks after my coma, I was really challenged, and, and it changed me completely. I came to realize that consciousness is fundamental in the universe, that all of emergent reality comes out of consciousness, that we're really all sharing that one mind, and not just human beings, and not just all life on Earth, but this one mind is far, far bigger than all that. And that, of course, is that binding force of love that so many who have had near-death experiences and other spiritually transformative experiences have been completely comforted and shifted by, so they know there's nothing to fear about death at all. And Mm. this, of course, is one of the biggest lessons that comes back from the NDE literature, but there's so much more about living our lives because when we come to realize that we have many incarnations in this process of ascendance towards oneness with the divine, that we learn and teach here in this soul school where we have a program for getting so that we're not supposed to remember between lives and previous lives so readily, uh, we start to realize that uh, there's much more necessary to really explain what is going on in this world, but also it's very empowering uh, because as we determine that consciousness is fundamental and has this uh, uh, amazing power to kind of manifest the future of our dreams, and uh, many of us have seen that placebo effect, but this is a far more powerful than just placebo effect that gives us control over our bodily health, but has to do with our very course in our lives and everything about kind of the outcomes of relationships and other things that occur in life, uh, that is all related to much deeper understanding. And I've found that meditation going within is a crucial way of coming in touch with and developing that higher relationship. So for me, uh, deep meditation and centering prayer mm. are essentially fighting right. the little voice of the right. ego in the head, right. uh, so, really coming to a better vision of who we are. So when you remember something or you have a past life recall or you've had a past life regression or you just feel and you understand that and you see it as an image, do you think that can help you in this life, get through this life more, or maybe have an understanding of why you're going through certain things in this life? I think that's very much the case. I mean, when you, when you look at a, the world of transpersonal psychology and so much of the work that's been done in past life regressions and between life regressions, what you realize is far beyond just trying to prove the reality of it, which, of course, is tempting to do, but it's difficult because most of us 
led those same kind of mediocre lives before that we're leading now. And so to try and dig up evidence uh, for the facts of those lives is often difficult. But when you really look at the benefit that accrues for those people doing those kind of regressions with trained therapists in the current era, uh, it explains so much about uh, kind of the missing of why we have certain challenges in our life, why we have certain handicaps and difficulties, uh, why we have certain gifts, uh, say, uh, certain forms of genius or musical creativity, what have you, that might have come from a previous life. By expanding our view of who we are and incorporating that we, uh, considering that we could have lived the past lives that contributed to our current life and to all the current events of our life and the hardships and challenges and opportunities for growth, it gives a much richer understanding of yeah. that uh, much uh, you know, person that we yeah. are that yeah. goes through multiple lives, but often with the same soul group and with uh, you know, the same loved ones. Uh, but soul group can also include those who we see as an enemy or nemesis, because often those are the ones that are to teach us uh, mutually. We're teaching yeah. and learning something difficult. Yeah. Interesting. Lessons. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking more to Dr. Eben Alexander about his book, Living in a Mindful Universe, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness. And, you know, one of the things that I'm going to ask Dr. Alexander is, how do you communicate with someone close to me who's died, who's passed? And a little bit more about prayer and how we can get through the suffering uh, that we feel in this world. When, we, when we're suffering. You're listening to The Patricia Raskin Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. We live in perilous times on a beautiful yet fragile planet. As a species, we are not doomed to self-destruct. We can live in peace and in love for one another. We can save this, our only home. We must mature. Open your mind. Soften your heart. Listen for the fate of humanity. Crucial conversations for our survival. With host Lauren N. Nile. Tune in. The Fate of Humanity airs Wednesdays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What's your coffee story? 
the one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My Favorite Coffee Story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, everyone. We are back. I'm very excited uh, to continue my interview with Dr. Eben Alexander. MD, whose newest book is Living in a Mindful Universe, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Heart of Consciousness. Dr. Eben Alexander has been an academic neurosurgeon for the last 25 years, including 15 at Brigham and Women's Hospital, Children's Hospital, and the Harvard Medical School in Boston. He's the author of the New York Times bestselling books, Proof of Heaven and the Map of Heaven. And again, his new book is Living in a Mindful Universe. Welcome back, Dr. Alexander. Well, great to be back, Patricia. All right. Thank you. Let's talk about communicating with someone who's died. You know, there are many psychics and mediums and clairvoyants, and people pay a lot to hear them, and a lot of them are very popular. And, you know, that will actually, you'll hear them, and they'll be able to pick up on your energy and tell you exactly what's going on with people in your life who you've loved who are no longer with us or who are on the other side. So what do you say about communicating with someone who's close to you who's passed? Well, I would say, first of all, uh, uh, all the mediums that I know, and I know several who are extremely good, will tell you that everyone has this capacity within themselves. So you don't have to rely on a medium, although some people are more comfortable doing that because if a perfect stranger in the form of a psychic medium tells you things that only you and the departed loved one know, it absolutely gets your attention and proves the reality of it. But uh, the deeper reality is we can all do that. It begins by believing in that possibility, realizing that by far the most common evidence that people have of the reality of the spiritual world is after-death communications. And uh, these come in forms that can be completely overwhelming. So in other words, you you can come to realize it's not just wishful thinking uh, and just not just your imagination, but uh, when you open your mind and you ask them to show you in a dream or uh, to come to you and show some presence, um, often they can do that in ways that uh, are astonishing. They may have to do with um, educating you about a health issue that uh, is very current in the moment, uh, you know, going far beyond the wishful thinking stage, but uh, that they can help you in dealing with your own health, things like that. Um, now, what I personally have done a lot of, and this is something we explain in Living in a Mindful Universe, is uh, a very powerful technique for opening more broadly that connection to universal mind, which is to that spiritual realm and into the doorway to the souls of the departed loved ones and that kind of thing. And this is through using differential sound frequency to get into very deep meditative mm-hmm. states. Mm-hmm. Now, if you have any form of centering prayer 
or of deep meditation that allows you to quiet the little voice in the head, the voice of the ego, uh, which is a little more than a parlor trick. That is not your your consciousness. That little voice in the head uh, is just your linguistic brain and ego. It's the awareness of that voice that is your consciousness, and that awareness can be expanded tremendously by developing patterns of meditation or mindfulness or going within. And for this, uh, as we discuss in our book, uh, uh, we've developed, uh, Karen Newell, my partner in all this, has developed sacred acoustics. And people who want to learn more can go to sacredacoustics.com. But it really is using differential sound frequency to intercept consciousness at an extremely primitive level in the lower brainstem. And by using these differential sound frequencies, you can get into very uh, profound states of conscious awareness. So uh, for me, that's how I've developed, as I discuss in our book, Living in a Mindful Universe, a very rich relationship with the beings and entities and with that infinite loving force at the Mm -hmm. core of the universe that I first encountered in my NDE. The good news is you don't have to die or almost die to be able to get this. And I often hear right. probably most often from my audiences or people telling me, I never told you this before, but, and then they tell me a story of an after-death communication that occurred either during the passage of a loved one or soon thereafter that proved to them forever the continuity of their soul relationship and that our uh, existence does not end with bodily death. Mm. Yeah, so true. The other thing I've heard, and I witnessed it in my own life with my own father's passing, is I've had people say their loved one would, did not go. I mean, they were in that state of going, but they didn't pass completely until everybody was in the room. And that happened in my life. Because when I have two brothers, and there were just two of us in the room, and my other brother said to my dad, who was almost, almost gone, he said, we're all here. And I kind of looked at him, because we weren't all here. And so we, you know, we kept chatting, and he was out, out, and the other brother came in, and then we all started talking, and within about five minutes, my father passed. Well, that, I hear that kind of story very often. It's beautiful. Mm. What it shows is that, um, you know, those who are making the transition, they really have one foot in this realm and one foot in the other. Uh, and they can be very comfortable in that kind of position, and they kind of organize things, uh, and they are really in control. Uh, so it's often important for those of us who are here on Earth to reassure them that it's fine for them to do whatever they have to do, that we know they're not coming to an end, that we can access in, them in prayer and dream and meditation and all kinds of ways. And, and give them comfort through that kind of prayer uh, and let them really run the show. Because if we get too bent out of shape on this side and all uh, angst-ridden over, you know, the threat of, um, you know, complete uh, ending of the soul, which, of course, is not what really happens, that can be somewhat frustrating to them in trying to make that smooth transition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think to really change our approach to uh, death in this country, it should be, uh, hospice centers should be looked at more like birthing centers, involve the children, lots of joy and celebration, recognition mm-hmm. that physical death of the body is not the end of our connection. And mm. there are millions of people in this world who know that from firsthand experience. And this, uh, there's a book I would highly recommend uh, called Hello from Heaven 
by Bill and Judy Goodman, 1995. Beautiful book with more than 3,000 examples of after-death communication and a lot of information on how to recognize those communications in your life. Mm, very wonderful. All right, we have a few minutes before we close. So give us some ideas about spiritual health. I know you talked about meditation, but how can we keep our spirituality healthy? Well, what I came to see from my journey is, and especially important as a physician, is that any kind of physical, mental, or emotional health is going to be fundamentally spiritual health. And when I say spiritual, I don't necessarily mean religious. Uh, because by spiritual, what I really mean is that we have a sense of meaning and purpose, uh, of relationship in our lives, and also a, a sense of connection, that we are connected to our loved ones and to others uh, through sharing this one mind through our consciousness, and that we're all in here, here to grow. This is all about growth and, and learning and teaching. And so spirituality is a much bigger concept of how we fit into a network, into a tapestry of existence that can incorporate multiple incarnations. And it's mm-hmm. that sense of knowing that the binding force of that consciousness is really one of love. And the more we can choose to make decisions in our, in our lives out of love, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance, and mercy, and of course realizing that the first and most important love is for ourselves. I realize that most of the problems in our world today are because we don't even love ourselves enough. Yeah, and by true. that, I mean that sense of connection, that we have a very direct linkage to the divine, to the sacred, to the infinite healing power of that love, of that God force. And as we come to realize this and realize that we are so much a part of every bit of it and that it's all very beautiful, that includes the hardships and difficulties because they are the instances of growth for our soul. And the more we take this bigger view, uh, the more we can truly achieve healing and health. I mean, the word health is, is from the same root as the word whole. So we're trying to become more complete, uh, more holy, more whole, and that is the kind of health we achieve with a sense of connection. Now, to the extent that any religious uh, aspect of your life leads to a fostering of love and compassion and oneness and acceptance uh, and being here for the higher good, then those aspects are fully compatible with the deepest lessons mm-hmm. of near-death experiences mm-hmm. and other spiritual journeys. To the extent that a religious orthodoxy leads us to a sense of separation, uh, that we're better than or worse than, and that we're in a comparison mode, and that we're, um, you know, not one with and not found through love, mm-hmm. that aspect of religious orthodoxy is uh, doomed. It is on the way out, and that's part of the awakening we see in this world today. Interesting. All right. Uh, we have about a minute. So just to quickly, what would you like to leave our listeners with? We just have a short, just maybe a sentence. What would you like to leave them with? I think the most important thing to stress is that each and every soul is here for an important reason. Mm. And often the reason is lying in the weeds of those apparent hardships and difficulties with the tough people in our lives, the tough ones to deal with. And so really it's taking this bigger view, and I would recommend that people can go within, quiet that little voice of the ego, the little voice in the head, who Michael Singer calls the annoying roommate. Realize that your consciousness is far more profound than that. You are much more than your thoughts and that little voice in the head with its fears and concerns. Uh, and it's 
developing that relationship with that higher soul that's interconnected with that God force and with all other life force throughout the universe by developing that uh, through a practice mm-hmm. of going in, and I prefer daily, try to meditate okay. an hour or two a day. Uh, and it's through developing that relationship with that higher soul and that uh, kind of win-win situation for all involved, that higher good, that we can truly grow into who we are meant to right. be. Thank we you. Yeah, thank thank you, Dr. Alexander. It was wonderful. Living in a Mindful Universe, a neurosurgeon's journey into the heart of consciousness. And people can log on to, uh, what do they log on to? Uh, well, sacredacoustics.com? Okay. E-B-E-N-Alexander.com and right. sacredacoustics.com to learn more. Thank you so much. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, that was an excellent interview, and thank you. All right, folks, coming up is another interview right here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.